Hey guys, welcome to the Tech People Podcast. My name is Ken Coyne. I'm your host and founder, as well as head of technology at Office Talent. I believe at the heart of any success story are the people who made it happen. Diversity, creativity, and innovation, when nurtured in people, can lead to an unbeatable formula. I created this podcast to share the experiences of some truly inspirational leaders on their journey to success. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome back to Tech People. This is your host, Ken Coring speaking. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Ava Sadaji to discuss inclusion in the workplace. Ava is the co-founder and CEO of Simback who have developed an all-in-one platform to manage and scale company internship programs. As you may know from previous podcasts, culture and inclusion is something I'm very passionate about. I'm always delighted to meet like-minded people to learn from their experiences and how they are helping to address the challenges in the, in the space. Ava has built culture from the bottom up by offering paid and remote internships via her company Simba, which broadens the talent pool to encourage a more diverse and inclusive workforce. Today, we're discussing some of the challenges she has come across and how to create inclusion to address them. Without further ado, let's welcome Ava to the show. Hello, Ava. Hi, Ken. Thank you so much for having me. And what a warm intro. I really appreciate it. Ah, no worries. It's a pleasure to have you. How are you doing today? Doing well. It's um, great to be on the show and just really so timely for the work that you're doing and the conversation that you're creating. Oh, thank you, Amber. I appreciate it. Well, it's something I'm passionate about. I'm looking forward to getting your insights. Um, but before we start, let's learn a bit about who you are and your current role, please. Absolutely. So um, you gave such a warm intro. And as you <laughs> mentioned, you know, I'm one of the founders of Simba. And initially, my background is actually in economics and okay. human rights. And I've really found the impact and the work that I've been doing in the space and, and really human resources to be a lot about economic empowerment and mobility. So in college, I studied political science and philosophy. I went to the University of Arizona. And then soon after, I went to the London School of Economics, where I studied human rights and economics. And I thought I would be a career diplomat. Mm-hmm. And throughout that entire experience, I had been doing remote internships. And that had really leveled up my whole resume and created so many access to opportunities. And I had mentors in different locations around the world. And I really realized the power of early careers and how it can shape others. So I believe that you know technology has such a great impact to do uh, good in the world. And so that's kind of how I fell into this space. But really, generally, my background is in, is in economics and a lot of research. Also, I'm a first-generation Iranian-American woman and lived in 10 cities and wow. traveled a lot. So that's just a little bit about me. <laughs> wow, I love it. I love it. Great mix. So tell me, you know, Inclusion means different things to different people. Maybe we could start by, maybe you could briefly explain what inclusion in the workforce means to you. So inclusion in the workforce means a lot of things. So for for me and for our team, really, it ultimately means first that everyone can have access to the workforce. So meaning that we're creating pipelines that are fair and equitable. You know, we are strongly against unpaid internships. And then it also means that once you join a workforce in the entryway, then there's also equitable forms of you know, progression and trajectory in the career. And you feel like there's an essence of belonging. So I know there's this new notion of having belonging as a part of DEI. And yeah. that's ultimately what inclusion means for us, that you have access and you're able to feel welcomed and grow within that workforce in that space. 
Okay, very cool. And so, so what are the, in your opinion, what are the challenges that companies are facing to handle inclusion? They're facing a lot of different challenges right now, you know, especially in this current market, finding talent is incredibly, you know, competitive. Yeah. Top talent is, you know, this is a market where even in a recession, it is for the talent is really picking up. So for companies, one of their biggest challenges right now, attracting talent and being able to also demonstrate clearly that they have an inclusive culture. So this whole notion of talent marketing has also become kind of a new concept that we've seen. I think some of the other challenges is that, you know, to have diverse and inclusive practices sometimes require also being nimble and adapting to the times. So if, you know, your company was very top heavy and very traditional, you have to make change and change is never easy. So I think that's another really big challenge is that with every generation, we're seeing a lot of change and for a company to stay competitive and continue to attract talent, they must also be flexible and adapt to the times and be very, very nimble and agile in that sense. So some of those aspects, you know, how competitive the market is and how continuously a changing every generation is makes it very challenging to continually attract talent and make inclusive environments because you're constantly on your toes. Yeah, very interesting. So, I mean, you mentioned there in, the, in terms of internships, you, you know, lived in 10 different cities and you've done many different internships. How do they compare to internship in today's environment, for example? So internships back then, I mean, when we started pitching this whole idea of remote internships back in 2017, 2018, people laughed at us and they said, you know, remote <laughs> would never happen. So internships are all about being in person, all about that engaging experience and that they could never be done in a remote setting. And if they were, then they would lack the same amount of value. So I think, you know, a lot has changed because we were kind of forced to in a way that, you know, really expedited the whole world to be open to working remotely. So that has changed. I think the second thing that has changed is that now companies are investing a lot more in pipeline programs in early careers. They're creating departments and they're realizing that if we don't get to talent first, then we are going to, you know, we're going to lose when it comes to building out the most competitive workforce that is also diverse. So I think there's also an awareness now for employees to now invest in internships as no longer a philanthropy, you know, philanthropic, you know, CSR strategy. Now it's actually this impacts the bottom line and this is aligned with business objectives. So we're seeing that companies are also taking it a lot more seriously and putting more resources behind it. Mm, very interesting. In terms of then creating, how, you know, how do you create inclusion to address those challenges? So to create inclusion, it addressed some of these challenges around, you know, the first being remote and creating some of this diverse aspect of your workforce is first, now that you can be remote, that means your recruiting practices can be remote. So you now, you know, typically in the past, companies would pick X number of universities because they only had X amount of dollars to create booths at so many colleges and universities and right. pay for travel or go to certain career fairs. Now that you can be remote and hybrid, you can actually have a stronger reach. So you can go to more campuses. You can open up your workforce to rethink if you go to community colleges even. Are you going to diverse schools and building partnerships with historically Black colleges and you know designing a recruitment strategy that aligns with your inclusion practices, right? And the second thing is, if you consider going remote and hybrid, how are you creating environments that have psychological safety and really make people feel welcomed? Is there a mentor system? Is there a buddy system in place? Are you sharing that everyone has a laptop 
has Wi-Fi? Are you ensuring that everybody is paid to do this internship so that it is creating a very inclusive type of environment? So those are two really major aspects that you can think about when you're talking about how do you design and combat some of these aspects to ensure inclusion. It's one, you know, the recruiting strategies, and then also, you know, the the management and the experience side of things. Yeah, really good. And it's always a question I often get asked as well about, you know, I agree with you about creating that inclusion and, you know, the remote, which is all fantastic. I often see the challenges is how do you create that inclusion with all the people remotely? And also, how do you create that culture? What have you guys seen in terms of, you know, solutions to this? So we've seen a lot of new innovations happening right now in the space. We're seeing a lot of new technologies and a lot of new recruiting tools come to fruition. I think the demand for what we're building at Simba is also, you know, doubled or tripled down, I would say. And I think one of the most exciting things that we're seeing too is alignment across different companies and organizations. We are part of quite a few different networks, some that I'm sure you're familiar with, like SHRM, as well as URX, which is a community of UR leaders. And what's so powerful is that when, you know, a lot of these shifts happen in the market a few years ago, companies realize we need to come together and we need to share resources and we need to really form coalitions. Because in the past, it seemed almost competitive, right? If you were sharing your recruiting secrets with others, you know, that's not going to, you know, put you ahead. But we're seeing that that's actually changed in a lot of ways. And the HR community is becoming a lot more aligned, a lot more supportive of one another. And I think that HR is now receiving the recognition and respect that it deserves. So, you know, in addition to those innovations, I think that this community support and development has advanced practices because people are now, you know, creating a lot more shared resources, sharing their knowledge, and companies are taking this a lot more seriously. Like the chief diversity and inclusion and belonging officers that is a new C-suite position that we're seeing more and more and more companies get. And I think that's because of a lot of resource sharing and a lot of open channels of communication. Okay. So, you know, another common one I come across in terms of a challenge with remote employees and inclusion is the area of mental health, because people, I suppose, employees are working at home by by themselves. And sometimes that can lead to mental health issues. Do you guys see this uh, with some of your clients? And if so, how are the clients handling this? Absolutely. I think we see it. I think even I see it as an employee um, of a remote team. And I think we've seen it, you know, uh, across as as an employer myself and also across the different teams we work with. Because now that we're not going into the office or seeing people or maybe doing some of these in-person activities, it's really hard to have a pulse. How are people doing? Because, you know, you only see a portion of them on a, on a screen and, you know, you don't really understand the day to day flow. And so, and the work life balance can really be skewed when sometimes people have this urge to feel like they're really, really online and to demonstrate that they are working. So some things that we've seen companies do to kind of counteract and try to be proactive here is really do pulses, like pulse reviews and check ins on a very active cadence. So, you know, Mm -hmm. once a week where people can rate how they're feeling, how they're doing. We see some of our larger companies do this with their internships. Now with our tool, they can automate a lot of this so they can get pulse Mm -hmm. feedback and surveys and understand, are they, you know, creating a culture of psychological safety? Do they have everything they need? And asking this in kind of an anonymous way, I think is really critical. And some things that we've also seen people do is 
you know, and, and what we do at Simba is uh, Wednesday wellness sessions, like yoga or meditation, encouraging people even to have something on their calendar with, or, you know, a, a time off policy that is a mental health day and actually demonstrating that leaders are also taking it, right? It's one thing to have it, but then, you yes. know, having a culture of actually proactively, you know, the leaders going to the wellness session, the leaders taking wellness days. One thing we also do at Simba is we have this concept of uh, red, yellow, green, and we do it for your personal and professional. And so if anything is red, that means that you really have to stop what you're doing and focus on something else that is, you know, a much more serious because at the end of the day, you know, we do believe in our business objectives and what we're doing, but we're all people and we really need to put people first at the core of everything we do. Well, fantastic, uh, Eva. And you mentioned there about the tool that, you know, you measure and the feedback and you can monitor that through the technology. But, but how do you actually measure inclusion? So measuring inclusion, we do it through a variety of ways. And we're still, okay. I would be very candid with you, Ken. I think we're still figuring it out because right. at the beginning of this call, you asked me what, what is my definition of inclusion, yes. right? Because I think every company has their own culture and defines and embraces inclusion in different ways. And it changes if you're hybrid or if you're remote. But ways that you can measure inclusion are by asking people in an anonymous way, do you feel like this is an inclusive culture? Do you feel like you are, are you know, welcome? Do you feel like you have everything you need? And then getting feedback. What would make this more inclusive? And maybe having some of your HR leaders supporting you in this process and even getting feedback. Some teams have worked with outside consultants in this process of really understanding what inclusion means for them. Those are some of the very, very straightforward ways we've done that by just okay. clearly asking in surveys, but also monitoring activity through engagement methods, you know, community communications, session times on some of our technologies to kind of measure and create a model of inclusion that applies for each company. Okay. And is there a way kind of to measure how you're doing it versus other companies in the space? If you're doing well or not so well, or is it more based on employee feedback? That's a great question. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because one thing that when we were building Simba, we were like, we want to share our data. We want to, you know, really be sharing a lot of information to help us build industry standards and help companies grow. But, you know, companies are very private with their data. And so it's very difficult to extract and understand how you're doing relative to others on the spectrum. If you're leveraging a certain technology, then they'd be able to anonymize data and share that info with you. So we can give smart insights to our customers across our own platform, but it is really difficult. I think these, these questions that you know, you're asking around how do we measure and then how do we stack against others? Yeah. I don't necessarily think you know we have it figured out at Simba and I don't know if okay. I've seen it necessarily figured out across the board. It would be very powerful though. And I think we could learn a lot from it. Yeah, because no, I mean, I see it in other systems like financial systems, for example, purchasing, you know, or how does your purchasing process compare to other? And you can, with some certain systems, easily compare and it's great value add that you're doing, you're doing good or you're not doing so good compared to best in, you know, best in class. I always wondered how you could do that in terms of something like inclusion, which is an interesting one. I mean, um, you know, for the future, I mean, inclusion, I think it's still, I feel it's still a relatively new topic. Okay. It's coming more and more. In talk now, more and more companies seem to be adapting to it. How do you see this evolving over the next few years? So I think that it's going to continue to evolve and come to the forefront because, as I mentioned, you know, companies, you know, employees now 
you know, they have a stronger voice and they can transition to new opportunities and they have a lot more say in shaping their culture than ever before. So I do think that inclusion and these practices are coming to the forefront and the successful companies that are going to continue to rise and continue to build strong workforces are ones that listen and adapt and create cultures of inclusion. So, you know, we're seeing that all these new innovations are coming out. We're seeing that conversations like the one that you and I are having, Ken, are also really, you know, their headlines. HR leaders are coming out and really talking about these conversations and we're seeing real action. I think the companies that are not going to be as successful and struggle to, you know, really retain a powerful workforce are the ones who are not listening or not making you know, a real change in executing on this because inclusion is going to be the way you retain your workforce long-term. And, you know, we are all studying how important it is to retain and keep employees happy and, and enjoy the work they do as a part of the team. So I couldn't stress it more. Wow. Uh, and I agree. I mean, definitely the whole piece of inclusion and culture is attracting talent. In terms of the interns that you deal with today, what are they looking for in companies? I mean, what are they analyze? What are they, is it branding? What are they looking for when they look to go and work in these companies? Well, that's a great question. To be yeah. honest, we've been seeing this actually change even in the last five or six years that I've been in the industry. What they're okay. looking for has continuously grown and they want more. We've had some interns ask questions around one, you know, what are you doing for corporate social responsibility? For your ESGs, what are you doing to support and, you know, be a good actor in the world? That's something that they do care about. They care about also, you know, their pay and their compensation and their opportunity. They also do care and ask about um, previous experiences of other interns. A lot of companies who are very successful have brand ambassador programs where interns share experiences about their previous, their time at a company and you know, they will write this on Glassdoor so the interns can actually research it. So all of these factors are really key and important. Sometimes we also see interns really want to know what are the career trajectory and opportunities beyond the internship? Where can they see them in five and 10 years? What new skills are they going to learn in, in the experience? And, you know, where, how have interns been treated, you know, within the company? It's always a great success symbol when you see a CEO is previously an intern at the company when we've seen a few of those. So yeah, so I think that those are some of the major things that they're looking for right now. And uh, it's, I think it's a great idea investing in, in younger people and internships. Is there any like stats out there, you know, for the amount of interns that actually stay or go back and join the company after they complete university? You know, How many stats? Yes. Is there any like there's... statistics? Yes. So um, as far as interns, the highest conversions, especially that we see on our platform, is around 80%. And so wow. really, really, really strong conversions. But it really depends on the industry and the field. Because if okay. you are in, you know, healthcare and biotech, like those fields have about 30 to 40%. But that's because oftentimes those interns aren't eligible and they, you know, they're eligible after they finish their PhD. So we do see a lot of range depending on the industry and sector, but tech in particular has seen a lot of really strong signals to the market. We've also seen a lot of great information around, you know, the success of an intern turning into a manager versus, you know, bringing on a new hire and cost savings over time. But those are actually, you know, as we've been diving deeper, we've seen that those are kind of relative 
to the company and how the company is easily able to ramp up leaders and some of their recruitment practices. So there's very, very exciting statistics on return offers and rates and happy to share more as well. Yeah, brilliant. And also I find about a big challenge that we work in tech ourselves um, is retention of the talent. So you mentioned, you know, that when you get the people at a young internship, that they're inclined to stay much longer than if you were to recruit somebody in from my externally or some an older experienced employee. Could you give us a bit more information on that? Yes. I just, I just find, I'm sorry, but I just find that, I don't know, maybe it's my experience in Europe that a lot of, a lot of people, they like to move every couple of years in companies now, whereas in the past, they would stay much longer term. Yes, we're seeing more and more of that. And for a whole host of reasons, right? Because now culture okay. and inclusion is more important. We've seen that for some individuals, if you shift to another job quickly, you get a new network and you get a new salary. And so, you know, that we have been seeing a lot more than ever before. But we have some research of some companies that have been able to increase retention by 5x with an intern versus wow. a fresh hire, up to 5x. And so that's really, really exciting information around retention. But also, if you think about the cost savings of bringing on someone who would have five years of experience from another company, the cost of recruiting them and their salary. So it's a lot, and you know, the ramp period too, if you think about that, because when you ramp an intern, it's a soft ramp at a much more affordable rate. And then you okay. have stronger forms of retention. And that's because through an internship program, you see a lot of the culture, you get a buddy, you get a mentor. You get a lot more support than if you were potentially just a new hire fresh into the organization. Brilliant. And you mentioned about, you know, which is fantastic, having much larger access to remote employees. But in your experience with the new, the young interns, are they more happy to work remotely or do they prefer to go to an office or do they like a mix? So research shares that they like to go into the office. Okay. Um, and I do think that's because, you know, this is the first time in their workplace and you know, if, if they, they really do like to be given a choice, that's the first thing they want to be given right. a choice. And if they, you know, and when we've seen fully remote versus in person, we've seen interns really be inclined to going to in person. And I do value in person, even though I do advocate also for remote. I think that it's important for interns to really understand what is the working environment that I do like, because some people do thrive in a in-person environment. And there's research that shows that you get promoted faster in an in-person environment when you are connected with your mentor or your boss in that space. But I think the key is choice for companies and to really meet interns where they're at. Yeah, that's really good good feedback, Avra, because you know when I was younger, I definitely wanted to be in that work environment, mixing with other people, learning closely with people. But it's interesting now when I get different opinions from young people, some of them are... are quite happy to still work remotely, which I, I did find a bit strange because I thought, you know, majority of young people would like to go to an office. But it, it's interesting what you're saying and then your stats about that a lot of people still want to go to the office, so which makes more sense to what I would be thinking. But listen, fantastic insights. Thank you so much, Ever, for coming on the show today. If uh, anyone would like to get in touch with you, how would it, what's the best way to get in touch? Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It was really great to share some of my key learnings with your community. And you can learn more about the work we do on our website at simba.io. It's S-Y-M-B-A.io. 
And you can find me on LinkedIn and I'll hopefully share my spelling so everyone can find me, but (laughs) very active on LinkedIn and can also uh, find my email through there. So happy to engage and share more, but truly appreciate the opportunity, Ken. Likewise. Thank you, everyone. We'll speak again soon. Thank you.